Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Friday, August 30th, right around the corner in September. Uh, two performances in Illinois and Missouri of the Gospel of Mark. We've talked about it here before yeah. on the Coffee Hour and uh, excited to uh, to get to share more about that. Joining us by phone this morning, the Reverend Dr. James Veltz, Professor of New Testament Theology at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. Dr. Veltz, thanks for being our guest on the Coffee Hour this morning. Well, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Dr. Veltz, what is unique about the gospel according to St. Mark? Uh, Do you mean about the gospel itself, or are you speaking about performance now? Now, Specifically the text, uh, the the, the gospel itself. What's unique about this text? And we'll we'll dig into the performance here in just a moment, but uh, what's unique? Why why choose the gospel of St. Mark for this performance? What's unique about it? Well... um, Clement of Alexandria, in the middle of the second century, said that the two Gospels with the genealogies were written first. That would be Matthew and Luke. And that Mark and John were written afterward. I think he was right. And that the Gospels of Mark and John are not like the other two Gospels in that there are more dramas on the story. Um, and as such, they lend themselves to kind of oral performance. But before I go to that, let me just say a little bit more about this nature that you're asking about. The Gospel of Mark has a way of depicting Jesus the way he would have appeared to people um, kind of from below, that is to say, in our everyday experience. The Gospel of John, by contrast, shows Jesus kind of in all of his divine magnificence, the Word that became flesh and so on. And I would put it this way, it shows Jesus not up from below, but down from above. And the two, those two Gospels kind of complement each other, plus together they complement Matthew and Luke. So when you're doing Mark, when you're reading Mark, or when you're hearing Mark, you are actually getting a sort of an experience of the Gospel the way the disciples would have experienced it, a Jesus who is strange at points, um, you know, doesn't know who touched his robe, for example, with a woman with the issue of blood, or he heals a man and then gets angry with him and throws him out. Um, So um, it's a very human kind of Jesus who is still divine, but um, in a way that is very experiential on a day-to-day basis. It lends itself perfectly to oral performance. That's an interesting uh, distinction between Mark and John. I hadn't heard that before, uh, but that that is really cool. I I like that that distinction. Well, let me just say something more about that. Both of them have the same theme, and the theme is seeing and believing, and they each do it from a different perspective. So, for example... In the Gospel of Mark, at the cross, no other Gospel has this recorded. The leadership says, the Christ, the King of Israel, 
let him come down now from the cross in order that we may see and believe. And that is precisely what the gospel will not give you. The gospel of Mark's theme is you first believe and then you see. You don't see and then believe. Now, I want you to think about the gospel of John. What does Jesus say to Thomas? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. See, both gospels are playing the same theme, but they do it, I would put it this way, from opposite ends of the scale. Hmm. I could, I could keep talking about that for another ten minutes, but we have other oh, things to discuss. <laughs> the coffee hour, two hour edition. I mean, sure you could. we talk I mean, about that a lot. <laughs> well, and I mean, let's go back to the Gospel of Mark. Uh, look at the ending at sixteen, verse eight. So, what happens is the women come to the tomb, and the young man confronts them, and then. Uh, He says to them, you seek Jesus of Nazareth. He has risen. He's not here. Look, the place where they laid him. But tell his disciples and Peter, he's going before you into Galilee. Now listen to this. There you will see him just as he told you. But you have to believe that word and go to Galilee or you won't see him. See? So it, the, the ending kind of incarnates the theme of the gospel. And the theme of the gospel basically is the reliability of Jesus' words, which have to be trusted even against what you may see. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a, a wonderful gospel for the contemporary world. Absolutely. Are there are there benefits to hearing uh, hearing the gospel spoken uh, versus reading it on your own or in a group? Oh, absolutely. And uh, one of the big benefits is that uh, the story keeps coming at you. So uh, you 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 can't stop and look back and so on like that you get this impression of the story moving forward and you have to go along with it. So you can't over intellectualize the story by stopping and just pondering on a single word or something like that. Uh, the, the story moves along just like Jesus's ministry moved along. But also these gospels, all of them were intended to be heard um, I usually say in the introduction to the uh, to the presentation that five to ten percent of the Greco-Roman world was literate. So you're talking about ninety-five to ninety percent could not read. They basically heard things. These gospels were intended to be received orally. Uh, By the way, I might just say, this is why I am totally against printing out the lessons in the bulletin and having people read along. Should not do that. No one ever did that in the ancient world. They just listened to the gospel. So if if you are in a church that prints out the lessons, put them aside. Maybe take them home, ponder it, and so on, but do not read along while the lector is reading the lessons. 
because they were all intended to be received orally. And it has a sort of a different effect on you. You you start to hear things that are not maybe so obvious when you're looking at the text, like Mark's continual use of immediately, and it's very obvious when you're listening. So uh, there, there's a whole different sensation in the reception of the text orally. So there's a time to listen and there's a time to read. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. And uh, and you want to prioritize the listening. I mean, as a matter of fact, if you're in a Bible study sometime uh, and you're having trouble with a passage, just have everybody put their books aside and have somebody read the passage to you out loud and don't follow along. And you will be really surprised at the phenomenon that you experience with something like this. Now, this doesn't mean that you don't do in-depth study. That's exactly what I've done. I've just finished the second volume of the Mark Commentary for the Concordia series. It will be out in November of this year. And I look very closely at the grammar and so on. However, all those specificities of grammar should be incorporated in the way that the gospel is presented. And that's what we do. So in other words, let me give you a concrete example. Uh, uh, Mark often uses the present tense as he is narrating past events. It's called a historical present. And this is routinely, routinely ignored by the translations. In other words, they just translate these historical presents as pasts because it is describing something in the past. But the effect is completely different. So, for example, in the Garden of Gethsemane scene, and now this is uh, uh, this is one of the biggies. If you look at a translation, all of the verbs that are historical description are in the past in the English translations, but not in the Greek. So the Greek says, and he comes to a place whose name was Gethsemane, and he says to his disciples, "Sit here while I pray." And he takes along Peter and James and John with him. And he began to get very worked up and upset. And he says to them, now you, you notice how immediately you're sucked into the story when I read it like that, as opposed to just some description, and he went to the garden and he said to them, but I'm reflecting the Greek of Mark. And what one of the things that we try to do in the, in the oral performance of this is to reflect the tenses of the verbs in the Greek. And it makes a huge difference in your experience. We have just under a minute left. I want to share with folks the uh, mm-hmm. the upcoming presentations. Uh, you have one coming up in Sedalia, Missouri at the Liberty Center on Friday, September 20th. Is that right? Friday, September 20th. That's correct. And then Saturday, September 21st, uh, where are you headed? Uh, Pekin, Illinois. So Good Shepherd Lutheran School in Pekin, Illinois. Thank you so much, Dr. Veltz, for being our guest this morning and sharing with us about the upcoming uh, 
performances, the presentations of the Gospel of Mark. Now, it's a, it's a nice team as well. You're one of the presenters, but there are several other as well. Um, Dr. Kent Burrison and Dr. Dale Meyer, Dr. David Schmidt, and uh, Dr. Michael Ziegler, all part of the presentation, uh, joining you in that presentation of the Gospel of Mark. Right. And, and Dr. Ron Rawl. And Dr. Yeah. Ron Rawl. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for uh, for that. Well, it, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much, Dr. Veltz, for being our guest on the Coffee Hour today. Well, very good. And we were just getting going. <laughs> Oh, two-hour edition. <laughs> two edition. <laughs> that does it for the coffee hour today. Hope you all have a fantastic weekend. I'm Eddie Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere.